Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tuesday, October 19th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, it's a birthday celebration today for Raji Davis. He's 41 years old, Indians legend Raji Davis. He, uh, he hit for the cycle. He hit that now uh, you know legendary home run in Game 7 of the 2016 World Series. But I think the lasting impression that he made on the club, it's still being heard uh, to this day, is his, the, the model of bat that he used. Uh, was so uh, you know fancied or beloved by by members of the uh, of the Indians lineup that Jose Ramirez still uses uh, you know that bat that, that Roger Davis model bat. Uh, in fact, the home run that he hit in 2020 to put the club into the playoffs against Chicago uh, that was a Roger Davis model bat, and and you know they still keep a few of them around the clubhouse uh, for for Jose to use when he wants to. Yeah, I'm sure they've got those stockpiled. Tony Amato's probably got a, you know, a couple boxes full of those uh, bats somewhere in the uh, recesses of the of uh, Progressive Field, just just in case Jose needs one. So uh, that's a that, that's a good story. And uh, I remember when uh, Raja came back. Uh, I think he was playing with Boston, and we were talking to him, and we asked him what happened to that bat. I think the Hall of Fame wanted the bat. And he, he said it's hanging in his house somewhere. He wasn't he wasn't giving away the location though. Not not going to give that one up. That's a that's a big part of uh, you know Cleveland Indians history right there because that moment was voted I think the the top moment in the history of Progressive Field. Oh my God, what a moment that was, Joe! Just you could literally feel the ballpark shaking. That was that was. Uh, what could have been, you know, but for a moment, it looked like uh, it looked like uh, the Indians were on their way. They had the momentum and then the rains came. Well, uh, one team that has the momentum and, and has the offense going right now is, is Boston. Uh, they woke up uh, on offense, uh, you know, after that first game of the, the ALCS. Uh, they've, they've taken the last two now after after winning, I believe, 12 to three last night uh, against Houston. Uh you know, what are you seeing uh, from this this offense from Boston that's really sort of, you know, covering up any holes in their rotation just by, uh, you know, bashing through the the the, the opposing uh, pitching staff? Well, they're on fire, Joe. You can uh, tell they're energized by that uh, by that crowd at Fenway. The crowd at Fenway is 
you know, is, is always intense, but they're like, uh, they've taken it to a different level. And I really think it's, it's fueled that ball club. Uh, the, the Red Sox are hitting 296 in, in the uh, ALCS. They've already hit nine home runs, a record three grand slams. They've outscored Houston 25 to 13. That's, that's crazy. That's nuts. And, uh, you know, yesterday they, they got what uh, Rodriguez, you know, had a big game. He, he went six innings for them. Anytime they can get that out of their pitching staff, they're, they're going to be doing well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he gave them just what they needed. Six, six innings. He gave up three runs, but you know, by that time, you know, he was, he had like a nine to three lead. So, you know, he was coasting and uh, um, seven strikeouts, no walks, uh, you know, just really a, a stellar effort by him, especially in the postseason, especially the way we've seen starting pitchers kind of struggle this whole postseason. Uh, and then offensively, Kiki Hernandez is hitting 615. J.D. Mar Martinez is hitting 364. Verdugo's hitting 364. It's just, it's not like they've got two or three guys hot, Joe. They, they've got six or seven guys hot. Yeah, there was a time when Cleveland was uh, in pursuit of, of Verdugo and, and, you know, was was looking to, to make deals with the Dodgers and his name was always coming up as as a possibility. Boy, uh, you know, he 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 would have solved some of the outfield problems. I, I think they uh, they had if he had been, you know, traded to Cleveland and, and given him time to develop. What do you think of Rodriguez walking off the mound and mocking the uh, mocking Carlos Correa's uh, wristwatch celebration and uh, and then getting a talking to from his manager yeah I thought it was pretty cool and uh you know and I didn't put two and two together but Correa loved it you know the Correa said he thought that was the greatest thing ever but you know you could see Alex Cora said don't give anything to, to fire these guys up he he knows what kind of team Houston has he was a bench coach there he knows what you know makes those guys tick and I'm sure he was telling you know, Rodriguez, listen, let's sleeping dogs lie here. Let's, let's not wake, you know, let's not wake up the bear here. Yeah. That's uh, that, that really is sort of the thing. Cause you know, that Houston can come back around and, you know, put up 10 runs on their own. That offense can, can really click in. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh, again tonight. We'll, we'll get more into previewing uh, tonight's two games here in a moment. Uh, wanted to mention that yesterday, uh, former Cleveland assistant general manager Carter Hawkins was introduced in Chicago by the Cubs. Uh, Jed Hoyer uh, hired Carter Hawkins to come in and fill that that GM spot that had been vacated, uh, you know, had been vacant all year. It was Hoyer's position. He was promoted at, at the beginning of the year uh, to president of uh, baseball operations. So he Hoyer started the uh, the press conference by saying, you know, Carter has big shoes to fill, <laughs> knowing that they were his own <laughs> shoes. Uh, kind of funny. But uh, Hawkins really went into, uh, you know, just a whole litany of thanks and praise to the Indians organization. So it was a, it was a nice moment uh, for for Cleveland and for uh, Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff to, to be mentioned as somebody as a, a group in a front office that sort of has produced all of these uh you know, executives around the, the league and Derek Falvey. And, you know, he, he specifically thanked guys like Matt Foreman, James Harris for, for their work, uh, you know, Hawkins did. And, and he recalled uh, after he said, he's only been to three games at Wrigley field. And he remembered being there for game five of the world series. 
and leaving the park after uh, the Cubs had sort of rescued their season in, with winning uh, winning game five and hearing the fans singing Go, go Cubs Go uh, outside the bus and, and thinking, well, now instead of singing it at him, uh, they'll be singing it with him. Yeah, that was that was a nice moment. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they do. Uh, you know, they've got a big payroll, but they're kind of rebuilding, too. They, you know, they made all those. There was a fire sale at the at the trade deadline. And uh, so I think, uh, you know, they're looking to, you know, kind of refurbish that uh, that farm system. And, uh, you know, Carter has done a good job with that in, in Cleveland. So I think that's one of the reasons they brought him over there. And now, you know, so now Carter is in, he's got the bullseye on him. Now there's, he's not the assistant GM anymore. He's the GM. So that's, that's a big step. And, uh, you know, I'm wishing him luck. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see, uh, I guess everybody in Chicago expects him to have the, the magic formula for, you know, producing the, that, that pitching machine and, and churning out, uh, you know, drafting and producing and developing young pitchers, like the way the Indians have over the last several years. And, you know, he said, there's no, it's, it's easy to skip steps. There's no secret sauce. Uh, they, they, it all comes down to winning at the major league level. And that's what they're doing. You know, the Cubs haven't really had homegrown pitchers come through. They've always, they've always gotten hired guns via trade or, or free agency. So it'll be interesting to see how long it takes uh, Chicago to, to develop that, that level of pitching that the, the Indians has it have if they can. Yeah, and, and you just don't snap your fingers and have a draft class like 2016 when you get Savali, Bieber, and uh, Plesak. Uh, that takes some work. That takes some good fortune. That takes good drafting. And most of all, it takes development in, in the minor leagues. And, you know, that's where the, the program has to be set. That's where it starts. That's where the seed starts to grow. And the Indians have that, and they've been able to, to, uh, to, to keep that momentum going. And that's the difficult thing. All right, Paul, we're going to jump in and dig into some of these arbitration numbers. It's, uh, it's been about a week since uh, MLBTradeRumors.com uh, put these numbers out there, and they've been floating around, and, and we've been able to sort of chew on them, ponder them. And uh, the list of nine eligible arbitration-eligible players for the Indians uh, that have, have been sort of put through uh, MLB Trade Rumors formula uh, this is a, a list that's just projections. It's not like uh, I don't really even think anybody who's involved in the negotiations or the arbitration or anything like that look at these numbers as having any real value. But at least for for us and for fans, it's it's a good way to to get a ballpark or an idea of of what you know to expect for some of these guys. Uh, and you know of these of these nine Indians players. Some of them may be offered. Some of them might be non-tendered. Uh, some of them might be offered contracts that supersede all of this. So that's that's something to keep in mind. Let's jump in right off the top with uh, Austin Hedges. MLB Trade Rumors has him at $3.8 million uh, in, in arbitration this year. You think uh, Hedges is going to get uh, more, less, or right on the nose with that? I think he might get a little more than that, Joe, simply because, um, you know, their catching situation is they've got to make a decision on Roberto Perez. And, I, you know, I, I could I think, you know, we both agree that they're probably not going to pick up that seven million dollar club option. They right. need a starting catcher or at least kind of a, a you know, a catcher they can rely on five times a week. And 
And, you know, Hank is, I mean, Hedges is the guy. He, he proved that last year. I mean, you'd like to see a little more offense out of him, but, uh, you know, he handled the staff well. He controlled the running game well. So I think, yeah, he'll, he'll be a little above that. Yeah, I think uh, I think he'll be above it because I think maybe they'll give him a, a, a two-year contract or, a, a you know, a, a contract with a, uh, an option year or maybe a two-year deal with an, a, a club option and a buyout, something like that. Uh, that where the total money would be more than, uh, you know, giving him 3.8 million just for the year, uh, the average annual value. Uh, Nick Wickren, uh, 2.8 million is the projection here from MLB trade rumors. Uh, I, I don't see Wickren getting 2.8 million uh, after the, the season that he had. I, I believe he was, uh, his, his salary last year was 2 million. Um, I, I say, you know, he might even be a candidate to be non-tendered. Yeah, I, I think he might be non-tender too, Joe. Um, had a tough year. You know, he the, the thing with Whitgren is he answered the bill. You know, he he was he was a veteran guy that they relied on, that they that really they relied on to chew up some innings, put in some tough situations in those extra inning situations where the guy on second base uh, did not fare well there. But uh, still, uh, you know, he was healthy. Uh, but I think you know this is a guy that is is a candidate for for a non-tender. Uh, next on the list, Ahmed Rosario, shortstop. Uh, five million is the projected uh, arbitration number for Rosario from MLBTradeRumors.com. Uh, what do you think of that? Five million is that is that on the nose for you know what he what he's worth after this past season that he had, or do you think uh, you know more or less? And is there a possibility that, you know, there's a, a contract there for him as, as well? There might be. I think that's right on the nose. I think I, I kind of like that figure. What did he make, like 2.4 last year? Something, Something like that, that, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that's that's kind of right right in the ballpark. That's a that's a fair number right there. And, you know, just the the chances that he could, he was, yeah, he was 2.4 last year. Uh, and he, he definitely outplayed that 2.4 million uh, based on his performance last season. But, uh, you know, he, so he's going to get that little bump there uh, in, in his, what, second year of arbitration. Yeah, and I, th I don't know, Joe. He, he could be a candidate for, you know, two-year deal. I, I don't know if his – you know, I think he's found a home here. He likes it. I, I think, you know, he's out in New York. Uh, I was going to say, it's not New York. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Framil Reyes, four point four million is the projection there, uh, and and you know, and we're not just looking at what Framil Reyes did last year, or the, the last two years, but you've got to take into account, you know, other other similar sort of hitters, uh, you know, DHs, power hitters uh, in his class and where he is. Um, four point four to me seems a little bit low, but. Uh, you know, certainly Framil's a guy that they've got to be working on to try and, and get him an extension or a, a long-term deal. Yeah, because I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. You know, this is a guy when we saw him, you know, two years ago, 38 combined home runs with San Diego and the Indians, 30 this year. This is a guy, if he stays in the lineup, you know, if he plays 140 games a year, you know, he's got a, he's got a chance to hit 40 home runs. So, you know, I, I would think 4.4 sounds fair, but I would not be surprised if, if, if he gets a little more than that. All right. Uh, the one that sort of uh, shocked me here, Shane Bieber, in his first year of arbitration eligibility, MLB Trade Rumors has him at 4.8 million. 
Uh, you know, and I figured he'd be up there challenging for a, you know, a record for first year pitchers eligible. I believe, you know, Dallas Keuchel was, was up there uh, at one point in 2015 uh, with at least double figures, but 4.8 million. If, if the Indians can get Shane Bieber for 4.8 million, is, is that something they would jump on at, at least for uh, if they can't get a, an extension done? I think so. Definitely. And I think, you know, this year probably, you know, maybe hurt his, uh, you know, his chances at the arbitration table, not, you know, he got hurt, you know, but he still didn't pitch, you know, uh, he didn't, he didn't pitch 200 innings. He, he didn't make 30 starts. And, and if there's pitchers in his service group, which, you know, he's, this is his first year of eligibility, arbitration eligibility. He's a, thir- a you know, his third season, so, uh, you know, that, that might be, he might, they, they might get a deal done at that point at that, at, at somewhere around that neighborhood. Yeah. Do you think that this projection, maybe that if that idea that might sort of help the Indians in negotiations to try and get him a, a long-term contract extension? You know, that's a great question. And, and I remember asking Lindor that, uh, Francisco Lindor, when he, you know, he started two years ago, he started the season on the injured list. He had an injured calf. And, you know, just, you know, the vulnerability of your body, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you're not a machine, you can break down um, that, 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 uh, you know, the uh, the idea of security of a multi-year deal, you know, is always, you know, is always, I think, enticing to players. Uh, But, you know, Lindor said no, but Lindor was making 10 million a year. Right, right then, you know, he was, mm-hmm. he was, you know, he had gone to arbitration and, and was making 10 and then he made 15, I think, at, at, you know, one year on one year deals. Bieber isn't in that class right now. So, you know, I think it, it you know, the light has to go on, especially with pitchers. You know, I, I, I think, you know, they're always one pitch away from, you know, something bad happening to their elbow or their shoulder and mm-hmm. Bieber's lived through that. So, you know, you'd only, you, you wouldn't be human if you thought about, Hey, if they're offering me what three and three and an option or, or four and an option, you know, I've got to look into that because who knows, you know, am I going to, you know, am I, how, how far away am I from uh, rotator cuff surgery or, or whatever, you know, heaven right. forbid, right. but you know, that, that, that plays into it. I would think. Right. Uh, a guy that knows a little bit about missing time with injuries, uh, Bradley Zimmer, uh, first year eligible could be, uh, projected at 1.5 I would I would think if Bradley Zimmer isn't non-tendered I don't think that there's any way that they 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 offer 1.5 million to to Bradley Zimmer well yeah again you know you look you have to look at his service group uh 1.5 you know that's kind of it's almost chump change in big league money. You know, you hate to right. say that. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to keep things in perspective, but uh, I, I think that's probably right around where they, if they keep Bradley, you know, they, that's probably right around where he'll, he'll be at. Maybe one to 1. 1.5, 1.2, 1.5, right around in there. I, I was thinking like 1.2. I was thinking nothing over a million would be an offer for him to just start, but just because based on the, the unreliability, you could offer him and he could take 1.5 million and then never play a game for you because he got hurt. That's, that's the the issue with him. And then, Uh, and then, and and like you said, Joe, he's a, he's a non-tender candidate, you know, right. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta put that, you gotta remember that. 
Uh, Cal Quantrill on here for 2.8 million as their projected uh, arbitration number from MLBTradeRumors.com. Uh, Cal Quantrill certainly pitched like more than a $2.8 million pitcher this season, but uh, I'd say that's that's a pretty fair uh, price if, if they're going to be able to get him for something in that range uh, in, in arbitration this year. Yeah, yeah, I would think uh, th- that, that makes sense to me, Joe, right there. That That's... Uh, you know, and and you really, you know, you like him. You you know, he did. You know what he did in the second half. Uh, and the thing with the thing that impressed me with Quantrill, you know, he started in the bullpen, was able to build himself up, had the great second half, and he really didn't have any arm problems. And you really kind of expose yourself to that when when you go from the pen to the rotation like that. And and so you know, you know, he he's got he's got a good arm and. Uh, I think he's he's definitely worth the investment there. Yeah, with the yeah. season that he had, I think that number might be a little bit higher than it maybe normally would have been based on you know the way he pitched and the way he performed and not just the way he not the results but just the the, the durability and the the reliability that he gave you and the, the peace of mind that he did. So, uh yeah, 2.8 for for Cal Quantrill sounds about on the nose. Would not be surprised if that's what they came to an agreement on. Uh, Josh Naylor spent the second half of the season on the injured list with a uh, broken leg. Uh, 1.2 million is the projection there. Um, you know, what do, what do you think the chances are that Josh Naylor gets 1.2 million in a season that they don't even know if he'll be ready at the beginning of the season? Yeah, and those are, and we don't know if those guys are going to be eligible, right? Because uh, they could be the super two guys, right? Right, super two guys, uh, Zimmer. Uh, Quantrill, Ramirez, and Naylor, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've still got to. They've still got to set the the service time deadline, so to speak, where where these guys fall. You know, less less than three years, more than two. Uh, but you know, I think Naylor. Yeah, obviously, Joe. I mean, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good. Uh, I think uh, target right there, one point two. And uh, you know, we still don't know. Like you said, is he going to be ready? When? What kind of program is he going to be on? Is he going to be able to, you know, play the outfield? Is he a first baseman? Is he a DH? We, we just don't know. Right. Yeah. And, and, and my question is, even if you pay him 1.2 million, is he going to give you 1.2 million in value this season? And uh, that's, that's what is, is sort of the, the question is that, you know, what are you paying for there? If you, if that's what you give him. Uh, Harold Ramirez, the last one on the list, uh, maybe a candidate to be non-tendered as well so you know the 1.6 million uh projection there from mlb trade rumors uh you know it it seems pretty pretty accurate but you know maybe a little high yeah you know i would like harold ramirez's chances of getting you know sticking with the indians if if uh or the guardians if they were in the national league i think this guy is is a pinch hitter this is a bench guy this is a role player that could come off the you know the bench and and fill in maybe at first base in the, or in the outfield, you know, but the Indians with the Indians, they already have a DH. This guy is a DH to me. And mm-hmm. I, I just think, you know, he's probably, you know, he's, he can swing the bat, but you know, we saw what he, what happens to him when you play him every day in the outfield, it's just, you know, it, it's kind of hard to watch sometimes. So I think that that might play into him being non-tender. Yeah. He, he, He's he, project, he profiles sort of like a DH, but you know, not with not enough pop, just just 
a little bit low on the on the on the power numbers there to, to profile for a DH. All right, so that's Indians that are eligible for arbitration, or I'm sorry, Guardians players in 2022 who will be eligible for arbitration. Uh, just looking at the list of guys who are out of contract options too, uh, there's there's a, a lot of movement that needs to happen here. Um, we, we were talking yesterday, uh, you know, outside of the podcast, you and I, about the possibility that, that because of the high number of, of players that are out of contract options and in terms of club control for next season, uh, there's, there's a possibility that there could be some trades work beforehand. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it, it, it comes down to who do you want to keep, you know, who, who, with, you know, you got 10 players that are, that are, you know, out of minor league options that, you know, come the end of spring training, you know, you're going to have to make decisions on those guys, whether they're on your, you know, 26 man roster, or, you know, you put them on waivers or, you know, and, and expose them to waivers and other teams claim them. So, you know, and, and, you know, there, there's some, you know, some decent talent on that. that are guys that, you know, we've seen a lot of this past season, you know, JC Mejia, uh, uh, Ghost, uh, uh, Logan Allen, Henkes, Parker, uh, Zimmer, or no, Bobby Bradley. Uh, uh, Bobby Bradley you know, uh, and Yu Chang both are, are Chang, out of options. Right. And Mercado that was and Ramir, and, uh, Harold Ramirez and Zimmer. Yeah. Last year, uh, you know, the being uh, having a contract option worked against Bobby Bradley because he, he had one left. Uh, this year, we're uh, not having a contract option pretty much guarantees that Bobby Bradley is going to be on the, the opening day roster uh, unless he's, he gets traded. Yeah, I would think. And, you know, uh, Chris Antonetti basically said that, you know, in the, in the season wrap up that, you know, he's got, he's out of options. They need a first baseman. He's not going to be a DH. And, uh, you know, he, you know, so if, if, if he performs well, I mean, he's going to be on the ball club. And I think, you know, we, I mean, and I think he did a decent job in the time he had after he got called up on June 5th. So, you know, I would think he, he deserves a look. What about Chang? What about Mercado? What about Mejia and Ghost and, and Logan Allen and, and, and Sam Henkes, you know? And Zimmer. And, and Zimmer, you know, those are the guys that, you know, are kind of right on the bubble right now. Well, you've got in the outfield, you've got Mercado and uh, Zimmer who were both out of options. So if they come to camp, you know, by the end of camp, there has to be a decision made. And are you going to go with a starting outfield of Oscar Mercado in left, Bradley Zimmer in right, and Miles Straw in center? Is that going to be your best option? If you don't go out and trade for somebody or bring in a free agent who's out there, you know, those are your options in terms of, of outfielders. And I, I just, I can't see that happening. I, I really can't. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other teams, other teams aren't dummies, you know, they know these guys are out of options. So do they, you know, if, if you're trying to trade these guys, you're going to just say, well, let's wait, to, we'll wait till, uh, you know, the end of uh, March and see what happens. If we really like them, we'll try to get them on waivers. Uh, so, you know, you, you're kind of, you know, you're almost, if you're the, uh, you know, the guardians, you're almost kind of forced to, you look at your, you know, your, your backlog of young talent. And, and make a deal that way, you know, with right, your prospect right. deal. 
and maybe throw in one or one or two of these guys yeah, that, yeah. that that the other team likes. Yeah, attach one of these guys to a, a, a high level prospect and, and maybe see if you can move them that way and try to get something in return for them. All right, Hoinsey. So we've been through, uh, I, you know, options and we've been through arbitration numbers. This is this is what the offseason is going to be like for the next uh, several weeks as we get closer to uh, the end of the World Series when all these dates start being finalized. And we haven't even gotten into, uh, uh, you know, award season, which is our, our favorite time of year, uh, early November when we start uh, seeing the, the results of the, the voting from the BBWAA and, and on the, the major awards and then, you know, things like silver sluggers and gold gloves. Those will all be coming out in the, the first week there uh, of November. Uh, looking forward to that time as well. Uh, tonight, we've got two games on the schedule. The, uh, the Dodgers and Braves will be going in Los Angeles. Walker Bueller and Charlie Morton. Uh, Zach Granke and Nick Pavetta will pitch in Boston as the Astros and Red Sox play game four there. Uh, what do you, what do you like uh, in, in both of those games? Yeah. I, you know what? Uh, Red Sox have a two to one lead. I think that, you know, they've got the momentum on their side. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I like, I like the Red Sox right now. And uh, Atlanta's got a two Oh lead in, against uh, the Dodgers, kind of the same scenario they had last year. And they end up uh, losing that the Dodgers went to the world series and the Dodgers are almost in a must win. They got, they've got, oh. they've got to win. I was going to say, who feels more pressure right now, uh, the Dodgers or the, or who, who plays fast and loose right now? Because Atlanta, they know if they go up 3-0, it's over. And if they go and lose this game tonight and it's 2-1, that, you know, the momentum swings back to the Dodgers. And, and like you said, we've seen this happen before. So, uh, you know, I, I think the pressure is more in, in on Atlanta's side than it is in, in LA's side. I mean, if, if, if the Dodgers lose, then, you know, nobody's going to expect them to, to rally back and come back and win that series. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, the Dodgers kind of hold the sign over the, uh, the, you know, the Braves, they did it to them last year. The Braves had the three, one lead and still ended up losing. Uh, that was at a neutral site, you know, in, in Arlington, but still, you know, that that's gotta be in the back of their mind. And, uh, we'll see what Eddie Rosario at what tricks he has up his sleeve. If he's still uh, on the roll that he's been on. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. All right, Hoinsey, we'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Yeah.